Welcome to a conversation of change with Dr. Jen Fram, where we talk all things leadership, change, and transformation. Hello, everybody. It's Dr. Jen Fram, Conversations of Change. And I am back to you this week with another flying solo. Just thought I'd pop in and have a little bit of a chat to you about this notion of leading change when you're up against your limits. And goodness knows, are we not facing into limits at the moment? Um, as an aside, thank you, everybody, for the feedback on the last conversation, our mega conversation with uh, with Tim and Haley and Melissa. Um, it was so much fun to have that conversation and I'm delighted to say that uh, there's an appetite to come back on a semi-regular basis. So we're, we're going to try and regather every quarter and just check in with what our recommendations were. Do we think that people are listening to us? Would we change our recommendations based on what we know on the, uh, the, the in the quarter between? So if you have continuing questions for that panel, um, please don't hesitate, reach out, let me know, and I'll continue to build them into the program. So I mentioned um, that this topic today was around the notion of leading change when you're against your limits. I think um, it's, it's fair to say we have been truly tested with limits throughout the whole of this year. Certainly now what's happened in the time since um, I came to you last, we've had the escalation um, of activity and distress and focus and visibility on racial inequality. I am very mindful that um, a large percentage of the listenership to this uh, podcast is in the US um, and that the situation is exceptionally fraught there. Here in Australia, we've got nothing to brag about, um, if anything. The increased visibility on the US has brought about increased attention to Australia's situation with our Indigenous people and the inequality and um, injustice that, that is done there. So we are really being tested on multiple fronts now and this thinking about how do we lead change when we're up against our limits came about when in the space of one week I got requests to be on panels which were of the nature of, um, look, can you be on this panel where we talk about how should change practitioners face into uh, our environment at the moment? So, you know, the return to work or <laughs> even using that phrase, it sounds a bit silly, isn't it? So it's, it's you know, the, the post-COVID recovery, what's a change practitioner's role, the economic recession, what's the role, and, and then, hey, what, well, what should change practitioners be doing about racial inequality? Um, and it, it was just that whole conversation, um, you know, I had to really take stock and go, when it comes to talking about what does returning to work look like post-COVID recovery and the change manager's role or the change leader's role, I'm pretty comfortable with that, right? So I've already done um, my post on the four R's. I think that still holds up and I spoke about that in a previous podcast. You know, we, we touched a bit on the economic recession um, that's coming in only forward. 
But when it came to this question around, well, what is the change community's role in accountability and racial inequality, I was really, really stuck. And because at a, in, in a parallel timing, you know, as, as, as luck would have it, um, at the same time I was getting those requests to be on panels, uh, I was undergoing my own study in the space of racism and um, I think I'd read, um, I'd read White Fragility some time ago and it's a, it's a book that's now sold out uh, by Robin D'Angelo and I'd read it um, probably about six months ago when I was looking at some content around privilege for keynote speaking and at the time, you know, I kind of thought, oh, well, it's interesting. It's a very dense sociological text and, you know, it probably applies more to um, America than anywhere else. And then I read it a second time and I was able to go, oh, look, okay, I think it probably has application beyond America. I think I can actually see some of these themes of white fragility in the people around me, in my circles. And the thing is, by the time you get to the third read, you start to see white fragility in yourself. Um, so it's, it's really quite challenging. And so I was also invited into a coaching circle and the coaching circle um, is framed as a unlearning and learning circle around white supremacy. And when I talk about the term white supremacy, um, I'm using it in the way that Leila F. Saad um, uses it in her book, Me and White Supremacy. So recognising that white supremacy is a condition of, you know, it's, it's a form of um, white dominance of society. So typically, <clears throat> if you're white, you hear the word white supremacist and you get very tense because you're thinking that that is an extremist group or they're evil people and those kind of things. And what SAD does in her book is, is really unpacks how white supremacy um, is so pervasive because it is part of our systemic history. And unless we can recognise the elements of that, we actually can't be a good white ally in the fight against racial inequality. Um, I'm probably not going to be my most eloquent on this topic because I'm doing a lot of reading at the moment and listening and learning. And with that, it, it gets really clumsy <laughs> and, you know, I get super sensitive about what I say. And um, But that, that's part of this process. So I will ask you for your grace as you're listening to this. Anyway, so where we're at is in all of this reading and studying and working through things, I become more and more convinced that I am up against my limits. I just don't know what the next step forward is. And so to represent change community on a panel um, would be of no value and worse, it would potentially perpetuate further harm because these panels are all white. Um, there is not representation of black uh, Indigenous people of colour on them. So this had me thinking about how do you move forward when you're up against your limits? And so for me, the limits in this space around racial inequality is, you know, white defensiveness, um, white fragility, um, fear of saying the wrong thing and upsetting people, um, you know, fear of, of people 
accusing me of virtue signaling and all that kind of stuff. So there's all these limits that are actually working to stop me moving forward with change. And when I stopped and had a look at that, I recognised this is actually a process that we face time and time again. It doesn't have to be racial inequality. Um, it, it can be, you know, navigating new frontiers for your business. Like when, when I thought about um, this week, this week the Agile Change Leadership Institute turns one. It's our first year in business. And uh, Lena and Ross, Lena Ross and I were doing a retrospective of it. And I looked at it and I went, it's actually a really similar process. We have been up against our limits so many times in this first year of a startup um, with not knowing what the, the next thing to do is or how do we now create further change with the business. Um, but we've had to work it out. So in recognising that leaders in creating change are often up against their personal limits, um, what I wanted to do was sort of think through how is it that we still keep moving? So what does what does momentum look like um, when we are up against our limits? Whether that is return to work post-COVID, whether that is the economic recession, whether that is racial inequality, whether that is, um, you know, gender representation, gender equity in your organisation, all of these areas where you feel uncomfortable because you don't know what you do next. So in working through the learning and unlearning, here's what I have learned. Um, there's five things that I think are really helpful in keeping me moving forward and it might be helpful for you. So the, the first is this notion of um, maintaining a bias for action. If we work in change, we already have a predisposition to be action-oriented, um, which makes it really, really hard for us to slow down, to pause, to think, to learn, to unlearn, because we just want to do stuff. That's, that's what we get paid to do. So I think what's helpful is to respect that and maintain the bias for action, but make that action safer with really small feedback cycles and really try and hold back on finding the big solution, right? So the question that I've been asking myself and I've been encouraging other leaders that I'm working with is just to ask, what is the next right thing to do? Okay, so there's an immediacy and there's a, a smallness in that question. Now, in recognising that your small cycles of action will provide feedback, the next thing that's really important is to couple action with continuous learning. So as you get more information, you're able to, you know, learn and understand. And with that understanding, you gain more confidence. So post-pandemic life, the more information we get at the moment, the more understanding, the easier it is to work out, well, what might be the pathways and the options that we want to bring into our organisation? Similarly, similarly, there you go, can't get my words out, um, I'm finding that I'm gaining more confidence in what to do and how to say with the more understanding through reading and journaling, discussion and dialogue around racial inequality. The third thing is respecting the power of pause, and this is where I think for people who work 
in the space of change, whether you're a leader or a practitioner, this one's really, really hard because to push past the limits, you actually need to pause and to sense and to introspect. Um, you can't learn if you're not stopping to process what you're learning. Uh, and, and that's where it gets deeply uncomfortable and deeply difficult. So with that, part of the difficulty is once you start that process of introspection and recognising that you're actually up against your limits at the moment, it's actually really natural to face into a form of shame. And, you know, once you're facing into shame, you're amplifying self-judgment. You know, I should be better at this. I should be easier, able to do this easier. Um, that being paralysed creates a really shameful space to sit in. And so the fourth thing that I recommend is, you know, in terms of getting you through is applying a good dollop of self-compassion, right? You need to be kind to yourself when you are up against your limits and accepting of yourself because that de-escalates the shame which enables the action to happen again. And then finally, you know, this is this is our the challenge of all change leadership is to be courageous and commit. So to be able to move up against your limits means that you need to be willing to take the hit and you will get hit. So in moving past your limits, you will make bad calls, you will make wrong decisions. Um, you will be unpopular, people will be offended, people will be upset with you, people will be disappointed with you. And, you know, if we look at this, this triple threat, the pandemic, the recession, racial inequality, these are hugely intersectional. You can't pick one of those without addressing the other two. So that requires you to be really courageous and commit to a course of action. Now, having said all that, so those five things um, really is maintaining the bias for action, coupling that action with continuous learning, respecting the power of pause, applying a good dollop of self-compassion, being courageous and committing. Um, I think there is also power in finding people around you who can support you in your unlearning and relearning, right, who will support you in moving past your limits. To that end, if there's any of you out there listening at the moment who want to do more in the space of racial inequality, and I, I guess, again, I'm prefacing this to those of my white listeners, if you want to do more in this space, you're feeling really uncomfortable about it. The language that's being used at the moment is making you uncomfortable. Um, you've got questions that you feel embarrassed about asking because of, you know, potential of being seen as really ignorant or saying the wrong thing. Can you please drop me a line? I would love to help you with that. I would love to share what I am learning um, and see if we can't figure some of this out together. So, you know, I really encourage you to reach out in whatever social channel we're connected, so LinkedIn, Twitter, email, um, whatever it is, if I can help in this space, recognising that, you know, I, I am a student, I am ignorant, um, but I am committed to learning in this space, then please reach out to me. Um, I'd like to help. Those five points 
and and I so I again I really want to underscore this those five points the bias for action continuous learning um, the power of pause self compassion and courage and commitment they're really they're really quite a strong framework for thinking about any area that you're stuck. So if the racial inequality story doesn't gel for you at the moment, you've got other stuff going on in your life, but you still feel like you are stuck and you want to move forward, think about those five things and see how they can help you. That's pretty much all I wanted to drop in and share with you. Um, as always, I welcome your feedback. Um, and, uh, yeah, let's see what the next conversation of change will be. Until then, take very good care of yourself. Um, stay healthy, stay optimistic. And if, you know, being optimistic at the moment is just too much of a challenge, then do what you've got to do in terms of the very next best thing for you. Take care. You've been listening to A Conversation of Change with Dr. Jen Fram. You can find many more resources on leading change at my website, drjenfram.com. I welcome feedback on what else you'd like to hear on the podcast. Why not connect with me on Twitter at Jen Fram or LinkedIn? 